PK, I want to remind you Valentine's Day is not far away, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Time to welcome you to Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows with Jake Scott, his former BYU and Utah staff member, and a rock star in his free time. Tim, good morning. Good morning, my good men and good friends. What is the biggest to this call every week? <laughs> what is the biggest gig you've ever played? I'm very curious about this. Dave Rose told put- me. Dave Rose told me I have to see you. He said you have the whole persona that he says when he gets up there, he's not a college basketball coach who sings. You he's gotta see. Star. You gotta see the persona. You gotta see the way he fills a room with his personality. Maybe our band could be the Plaza Band this year for the playoffs, if there is such a thing. Yeah, uh, there has been. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm saying with in, COVID, right? In the pandemic times. Yeah. Oh, oh, this yeah. year. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But you got radio work to do, so I don't know how you can do it. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, but biggest gig we ever played, we won. Um, and I will say a little bit by Sutterfuge, we won the. Battle of the Bands in Utah, or excuse me, in Texas, in the town I lived in, and our football stadium, my high school football stadium, was 20,000 in Plano. And July 4th, we won the right to play that that fireworks show. So they set us out, up out there on the 50-yard line. The place was crazy, and we got to play a couple songs. Um, we played Pretty Woman by Van Halen and dedicated to the Statue of Liberty. What do you mean by Van Halen? It's not a Van Halen tune. Well, but the one we played is. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know rock history there, Schmelby. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that answers your question. I was on with Scotty yesterday for two hours, and they said, you know, they call Frank Dolce the human detour, and they call me Timmy Tangent now because... We can never get work done. We just start talking about stuff. Well, let's get some work done right away. More surprising win streak to you. The Jazz winning six in a row. The Aggies winning 11 in a row. I think the Aggies winning 11. Um, I mean, as ecstatic as I am about where the Jazz are right now, with Sam Merrill leaving and, and being that guy up there, you know, for what he did for that program... Um, I thought for sure, even with Kata, you know, I thought with the freshman guards and stuff, there was going to be a little dip. And more than anything, they, they've kind of changed a little bit of their identity. They're, they're all of a sudden now the smash mouth team was really guarding and um, getting lifts from everywhere. And I didn't get to see the game last night because uh, obviously doing the jazz game, but just watching the score, I mean, that was never a game. And, Craig Smith's done a phenomenal job. I would, if I was a real estate agent, I would start sending cards to his house <laughs> and trying to see if he would pick me to sell it because I think that thing's going to go up for sale pretty soon. Hmm. So that's sort of a uh, dark cloud then over a silver lining here because they're doing so well. 
And well, but that's kind of how it works, right? With smaller schools like uh, this, um, yeah, people but come I mean, in and that, chop them up. Okay, but then that logic, Mark Few would have left a long time ago. True, but um, I think Utah State's got a ways to go. I mean, they've done great things, but they got a ways to go to get Gonzaga now. But how about Gonzaga fifteen years ago? Yeah, I just don't know if it's a destination location. We'll see. Maybe Craig. Maybe Craig will change that narrative. But well, Logan I think has it's a... been kind of a pond hopper for years, and I don't see that changing. Uh, I mean, you Stacy left. Moral stayed, but he was more along the end of his the end of the line, and he had local ties growing up in Utah and having family here. He spoke of that, of being able to get down to Salt Lake to see his mother and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I get your point. I think what it boils down to, more often than not, is cash. Oh, cash is king, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is the new school <laughs> going to offer? <laughs> well, I mean, it dude. is. It is. And so what does the new school offer, and what does Utah State counter if with with anything? I mean, he's good. There's no doubt about it. He's good. No, he, he's, blown my, he's blown me away with, you know, this would be what we, this would be three straight years to get to the tournament, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, last year they had the automatic bid. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's really hard to do, man. And, and it's interesting because I think Utah State has kind of taken that BYU role in in the Mountain West Conference that they're they're just different than everyone else. You know, they they play a little different brand of ball. Um. You know, you got to come to altitude to play them here, and uh, and I think that it's a, uh, you know, that was one of the things that we loved about the Mountain West Conference when we were in it was there, you know, UNLV and New Mexico, everybody had a style, and ours was just a tad bit different, and it and so it was different playing us than everybody else, and we kind of have an advantage there, and then we went to the WCC, and everybody played the same, played like we did, and. Um, you know, and it was there wasn't a great advantage there. So the Utah Jazz have won six in a row. Are they going to hang with the Clippers and the Lakers in the battle for the one, two, and three seeds? Can anyone join them? Will they drop back to another group? And if so, what team or teams would be in that group? Uh, I think that, yes, I do believe this team is – Definitely in the hunt for, I'm still going to say two and three. I mean, I just think the Lakers at the end of the day, when it comes right down to it, will probably be one. Um, minus injury, you know, an injury to LeBron or AD or something. Um, and, but I, that, at that point, I think it's Jazz Clippers. Uh, and then from there, really, it is a, it's a coin flip. Um, and you kind of have to just look around and see what, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with Denver in comparison to last year. Um, I think they, they're they missing Jeremy Grant enormously. Uh, I think Torrey Craig was good for them. Uh, and, and I just don't know if they've got enough around those two guys um, to be up in that conversation. I think Phoenix, you know, with Chris Paul and, and Booker, uh, have a chance to possibly kind of be up in that conversation. But it's pretty clear-cut that 
that you know, you know, you got the Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz. I think that's the upper crust of the West, and um, and I can't help but like be giddy about the way the Jazz are playing. Not just you know the the success they're having, but the way they're doing it is is really kind of fun to watch. Watching him in the first game against New Orleans, it really struck me, and I think I've known this, but I think it was certainly highlighted and underlined in red or yellow or whatever, is that, man, they have just got so many offensive weapons. And when these guys are cooking, it's basically an onslaught of offense. Yeah, and what's awesome about it is they don't really, with really as good as they're kind of playing defensively right now across the board, too, um, you know, it's it's a different style. They don't have to come down and run a whole lot of action. They're getting so much stuff right away, really early, being the number one transition team. And I still think there's room to grow, um, obviously not from number one, but within the team. I think, you know, I think they, they still can emphasize pushing it more throughout the game. I think they push it really well early. And I think they push it good out of, out of half. And then I think there's some lapses there. But... Um, but you're right. Like they're, they're in my mind. They they have the best lineup of shooters across the board, um, and I think that the uh, it's kind of starting to feel like when I started watching the Warriors play. You know, when they kind of that style that they brought that was just so much more fun and new uh, to the NBA. And I think the Jazz are kind of going in that direction. It's kind of pushing things in a different direction. I know the Jazz are the only NBA team right now that are shooting 40 or more threes a game and making uh, 40% or higher from three. Um, those are numbers that really translate, and they, they certainly translate because I don't think it is – I don't think they need to make 23s a night to win, if that makes sense. Uh, I think there's other ways for them to win, but – the 23s that you know that we've seen now five times is just icing on the cake. I suspect at some point in your career, you told a group of basketball players five passes before you launch a shot, and there's certainly something to that. And making a defense switch sides and all that, and and opening them up and getting an easy shot, and certainly it's fun to watch the Jazz put an opposing team in the blender, and the ball's whipping around, and they're trying to rotate, and they can't possibly keep up. But there is also something to the, hey, if we get the ball up court in five or six seconds and we can launch a three, and it's a good look, let's do it, because we're not likely to get a better a better shot than that. And they took some of those. How, in a moment, is a player supposed to decide which is the better thing to do? What is the key that they're supposed to be reading so they don't get a look from uh, the coaching staff when they come back to the sideline? Well, I think it's that's what I've been really impressed with. Is, is I don't feel like you know there's really any unless it's late in a shot clock or if a guy does you know gets a heat check. I, I don't feel like the shot select. I think the shot selection has been terrific. Um, what the Jazz have to continue to focus on is catch and shoot threes. And what I love is every single guy now is um, able to kind of start. The, as you said, the blender, and really the key to starting the blender for for this team is less action, less pick and roll, and more direct line drives that require help. And I think we saw it last night. Like the Pelicans were caught 
time and time again, guessing wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, the the dynamic play that that Donovan made, and it reminded me, you guys will appreciate this, of the Julius Irving baseline drive where he went up and under and finished. You know that that one. Yep. That, you know we've seen a million times. It was kind of like Donovan's move last night, but in the middle of it, he just went ahead and hucked that thing on a frozen rope right out to Boyan at the top. Um, but even on that play, you know, Pelicans all suck down and, and take away the drift pass to the corner, opposite corner, and drop well, like you should to take away any kind of diagonal pass to the opposite wing. But, you know, Donovan has the vision and the spacing is so good that he doesn't have to think about it. He knows where his guy's going to be. And that's where that's where this thing's really starting to click for the Jazz there. Quinn talked about it a lot last year as to why things weren't working great um, at times. And he's mentioned this year, you know, in, in the struggles, that spacing's a huge piece of that. And you have to be able to space the floor adequately so that you can utilize all these shooters. And I think they're doing... Like, it's a clinic right now on how to do that. Have any concern about Gobert shooting under 50% from the free throw line right now? Oh, I would say, no, I, I, I don't sweat that to the point where, I mean, it's historically low for him. And I talked all year last year. Everybody wanted to talk to me about, man, we've really blown it bringing Conley in here. You know, he's old. He can't do it anymore. Da, 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 da. Whereas, you know, there there are peaks and valleys within seasons and careers. Um, I think it's something, you know, if anything, the thing I'm actually encouraged about is typically when Rudy's faced with something, uh, he deals with it. You know, he gets motivated by it. Uh, this is probably something that's not registering well with him, and he'll continue to work at it. He's certainly better than 40%. Um, but right now he's getting, he, you know, that's the other piece of this. The Jazz are second last in the entire NBA at free throws attempted per game. And do you know who's dead last in free throws attempted per game? Lakers. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Um, do the Jazz really – I mean, it doesn't necessarily – they're not like – they're not driving it in there like old days and trying to get contact and finish. They're driving it in there to create uh, crowds and then, you know, kick it out to – a guy who's wide open with his feet set that's shooting 40%. So it's a different it, – the whole thing is a different – it's a paradigm shift for, like, we have to watch basketball. Um, and it's just like you said, DJ, yes, it wasn't five passes we required back in – when I was coaching high school, it was eight. We had a play, we had a play called eight. <laughs> and, and it was a motion. It was a pass and cut motion. And, and there had to be eight passes before a shot could be taken. And I told you, under Rick Majerus – it was like a sacred rite of passage to shoot the basketball. You shoot the basketball only after A, B, C, and D, right? So this is all just a total shift in paradigm. But I've, I've said from the beginning of my time in basketball, and when I came to BYU, it was such an eye-opener to me, but an open shot in transition is an open shot. And if it's the right guy shooting it and it's open and he's in rhythm, fire away, you know, um, and I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, my high school, we only had a five passes because we sucked. If we tried to go eight, we would have turned it over for sure. So I think they probably just had to lower the number for us. That they should have just let you ice, though. 
<laughs> that would have been a problem. So I'm uh, I'm curious. The one thing is the game morphs and everything changes. I can remember asking Dave Rose when Jimmer started shooting from the logo, and yeah. it just like I could just see Dave gritting his teeth before he answered it. He didn't want to say anything <laughs> negative about Jimmer, but it was just. Man, he was old school, and you just didn't do that. And, boy, there was a part of him that died every time Jimmer took one of those shots. But then we start seeing in the pros, and you start, you know, Damian Lillard's won a series from there, and Steph Curry's hit a bunch of shots from there. Now LeBron is shooting from there. Is that the next thing for the Jazz, that they get someone and basically turn it into a four-on-four game because they got someone who can hit from 35 feet and you got to go stand next to him and really open up the floor? I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't see this as the same thing. Uh, again, this really does have paint principles to it. It's just not, you know, they want, the ball needs to get penetrated, whether it be by pass um, off a pick and roll or off a direct line drive. And really, you don't see a whole lot of, you know, like you do with Lillard or Curry, you don't see just a lot of high ball screens, guys coming off and jacking it like it, because that's a that's an offense run for off the bounce threes, mm-hmm. as opposed to what the Jazz are doing, and they're they're just trying to get that sacred cow of the catch and shoot three, and I mean it really is. It's been so fun for me to watch because it's a totally, it's a total twist, and um, you know I know David last night on the post game show we were talking and he said you know is this are the Jazz basically doing what the Rockets did from a numbers perspective, but with better shooters? Um, I think the Rockets set the record with 1,184 threes in a season um, last year. Is that right? Am I right there two years ago? I can't remember. I would have to look it up. I don't know that. Okay. But um, the, you know, the, the difference, though, is – there, this is an isolation. This isn't one guy man, holding the ball all the time. That ball's whipping around. Conley had ten assists last night, you know, um, to two turnovers. Um, those are those are numbers that only have been seen since you know your high school team, DJ, hmm. when you did the five assists to one turnover uh-huh. for two years straight. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. I want to know who do you think's who do you think looks better all tatted up, Ingram or Clarkson? Clarkson. Homer. I'm a member of the Good Vibe Tribe myself. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Clarkson guy. In fact, you know I love his nickname. We call him Sad. JC. Hmm, I wonder why. I'm a big JC guy. Tim Lacombe joining us, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, pre-half and post-game, former BYU and Utah staff member. Uh, speaking of catch-and-shoot guys, it seems like he is more willing to take the catch-and-shoot. When he first came here, he defaulted to putting the ball on the floor almost every time he got it. But someone's uh, encouraged him to do it, and, and to his credit, he's embraced it. Might be a little out of his comfort zone, but he's pretty good at it. I'm sorry, I missed who you said. Clarkson, J.C., I'm still on oh, J.C., yeah, JC. Yeah, no, I think is. I think he's training no, way more to catch and shoots than he used to. No, he he made an astute point early this year in one of the post games, and he talked about you know Quinn and staff really working with him to shave some shots out of his game and really work on being more efficient. So you don't see him, you really see him now. Um, you know he'll he'll tight curl and and get something in the paint, 
or he'll drive that direct line drive all the way to the front of the rim, and then he's really uncanny about his ability to gather and pivot and find ways to score it. Uh, but I agree with you. I think I think he's kind of changed his shot chart, mm-hmm. and it's definitely for the better. Tim McComb, you'll hear him on the Jazz game. It's the Jazz and the Pelicans. 8 p.m. It's the Thursday TNT, second half of that Thursday night doubleheader. And uh, he'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with, uh, with Jake for the pregame show. Tim, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Always good to be with you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We'll get you up to speed on everything you missed, including the NFL quarterback retiring next. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Our good friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. In order for the Jazz to contend for a top three or four spot in the Western Conference, there had to be improvements organically. And I think we're seeing that. Mike Conley looks more like Mike Conley. Jordan Clarkson, a guy that I picked for sixth man of the year, has been everything you could ask for and more. Those things are sustainable. Are they sustainable at the level they're at right now? Probably not, but so aren't all these other teams. I mean, I'm watching Paul George play right now, and he's shooting like 50% for the floor and 50% from three. I mean, there are some wacky numbers across the league that simply aren't going to hold up. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hesitation, drive by Mitchell. Wrap around to pop to Bogdanovich for three. He got it, what a pass. Holy smokes. Donovan Mitchell drove the lane from under the basket. Threw a pass all the way to the top for Bogdanovich for three. That's incredible. One of the highlights of the game as the Jazz blow out the Pelicans 118-102. Pelicans with a late 11-0 run in the fourth quarter to tighten things up after they were down by 25 and is getting totally out of hand. That's six straight wins for the Jazz. They shot the three really well. If they get the 23-pointers, they are good to go. They did and they were. So now, next up, the same Pelicans. Seven in a row, PK. What will end the streak? That's the question of the morning. Summarize all your thoughts for the people. Yeah, I think the way this team is playing right now, that they can't be stopped by an opponent. I think, obviously, they can have off-shooting games, and they got several of them, or they make a bunch of uh, horrible decisions and have some turnovers. So, those are the, and, and aside from injuries and COVID, you have to put that off to the side. That's, it's always looming to one degree or another, and you know, all you can do is hope it doesn't work, doesn't loom too bad for your team. But as far as on the court, I don't think right now, because they're only playing teams on a one-game basis. It's not like when I say right now, oh, are you telling me that the Lakers can't stop them in the playoffs? No, I'm not saying that either way because that becomes a four-minimum, five-, six-, or seven-game series. That's a whole other ball game. But on a one-game basis right now, nobody in my mind is stopping them. They will stop themselves. They're now a top-five defense in the NBA. They are a top-five three-point shooting team in the NBA. So I guess turnovers are what will stop them. And poor shooting. They would need a lot of guys off at the same time. But it could right. happen, and it okay. will because right. nobody's, you know. Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier, this, there's, that's the first of six straight home games. So for them to win out on this homestand, that would take the win streak to 11, and there just aren't that many 11-game win streaks right. in the exactly. NBA in any given year by all 30 teams combined. There aren't that many. Right. I was looking at a 10 game basis if you go 8 and 2. 
And if you shoot 40% collectively from the uh, three-point line, that means, if my math is correct, you're going to miss about 47% of your shots. If you win eight out of ten games over the course of a full season, and obviously we know this won't be, but over the course of a full season, you're a 65-win team. If you're a 65-win team, (laughs) you are the one seed and you are expected to be in the finals. If not... Lifting the trophy when it's all said and done—that's a—that's uh, a heck of a pace to get to get to and then to stay at. Yeah. All right. So we talked quite a bit about the Jazz and their win streak. We talked about the Aggies and their win streak. You're already penciling them in for another win against CSU. CSU had the glossy record, but not good enough. They got beat 83-64. That's the third straight year the Rams have gotten blown out in Logan. Uh, Craig Smith has it going against these guys. And they blew this game open midway through the first half. They went on a run, and a two-point game turned into a 15-point game at the half. Brock Miller, the former Brighton High Bengal, had 20 points. He's also the former... Albion Knight. There it is. Uh, Kata had his 18-12. He just cranks it out, and that is 11 straight wins for the Aggies. So now you've circled Boise State. They're beating back contenders one after another. Oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, next week, uh, Boise State. What's Leon Rice, the coach there? They, they, they had a very good team. See if, uh, see if Utah State can, uh, can run the table in the Mountain West Conference. Oh, that would be just about as awesome as going to be. Jerry used to talk about how it's uh, almost impossible to do. And he said, it's really impossible to have uh, just one loss. And I said, Second time he said this, Coach, you just went 15-1 the last two years. He says, I know. I can't believe it. It's really hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> I, I'm looking at a schedule that has Boise State coming up in February. They got, uh, they got UNLV next oh, week. Oh, did I screw up? Yeah, I think so. Maybe I looked at C- – I, I think I was looking at CSU's schedule. Oh, yeah. I think you might have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing is that Boise State hasn't beaten anybody yet. They haven't. Their schedule's all backloaded. Yeah, they beat BYU and Provo. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Mountain West Conference. They haven't played San Diego State. They haven't played CSU. They haven't played. Utah but they State. still. But okay, not got to go beyond that. Okay, yes. Beating BYU is a good win, no question. And they got them seventy four seventy. So, yes, Boise State is at CSU next week, and then they got to play the uh, the Nevada team you were talking about that. Is halfway sure deep. Halfway deep. They might be able to take a game off you. They're, they're not going to win the league. They're not going to win out. I wouldn't expect that. But they might take a game off you. So we got those two teams on hot streaks. Other stuff we've talked about. The news that broke early in the show. Philip Rivers says it's just time. Time. He's got a kid going into high school. He's going to go coach his kid. And 17 years in the NFL is enough. Going into every every level of school. There, there are. Nine? Under the story that the San Diego he Union does have Tribune, nine, yes. under the San Diego <laughs> Union Tribune story, <laughs> there's a bunch of comments, and one of them is, "It's time to retire. It's time to settle down and start a family." <laughs> Stop having kids. I want to throw this out at you. I think we should do this more often. You pick. I'm giving you Mickey. I'm giving you Doc, and I'm giving you Philip. Who are you taking? Mickey. Doc and Philip. What are you, Ed McMahon? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Mickey, Mickey Mantle? Mickey no. Lulich. Mickey, uh, famous Mickeys. Mickey Mouse. No. Follow the line of thinking. I've got Doc Mickey. Irving. 
No, I've oh. got Mickey, Doc, and Philip. What do they all have in common? Marshall Falk University. The same friggin' last name. <sighs> Mickey Rivers, Doc Rivers, Philip Rivers. Who are you choosing? Mickey Rivers. You go Mickey. Mickey Rivers always cracked me up. Okay. Uh, why? Had some line about getting stressed out or feeling pressure. And he's like, well, if you can do something about it, why would you feel, or no, it's about worrying. Why would you worry? What are you, stress or pressure or whatever? If you can do something about it, just do something. Don't worry. And if you can't, what are you worrying for? It's out of your control anyway. And I'm confused. I know, it was classic. Who would you go? Doc, because you interviewed him and he was nice to you. He always was very accommodating when he played with the Clippers. Yeah, I interviewed him a million times. Uh, so you could tell he had great people skills back then. But I would, I think I would go Phillip as far as the best of the three out on the field court. The playoff caliber quarterback, not the they, Super Bowl quarterback. But to, got a lot of teams to the playoffs. To be a starting quarterback in the NFL for over 15 years, that's not by accident. Doc Rivers coaching the Celtics to a championship. That must be pretty awesome. Basketball's really important in Boston. Oh, that's royalty. Yeah. Problem is you only got one. <laughs> okay. But, but Phillip Rivers doesn't have any, and he didn't get to the Super Bowl. He only made it to I, one conference championship. I know, but you're Boston, though. So if, if you're going to put Boston legendary coaches, he's not even on the list. Sure. But you're right if you go all time. But, you know, the time way back when and people don't remember it doesn't matter to them because they weren't alive and they didn't, they didn't feel it and all that. So he's got the only championship they've gotten in the last 30 years. Doesn't matter. Oh. Never mind. Whereas if you go – because if you're back east – you automatically have history because your father had it, your grandfather had it, your grandmother, because there's a lot of women sports fans back there, probably your mother, your sister, your girlfriend, your wife. You go back east and women know their stuff. I mean, they do out here too. But I'm just saying that they grew up. We saw the stories of when the Red Sox won the World Series of guys climbing over fences to get to cemeteries to stand at the graveside of their father, their grandfather, and then they realize, I'm not the only one here, as their eyes adjust to the darkness. Right? We all read that. I mean, how touching can that possibly be? That's what you're getting back there. You're getting generations, literally several generations. We don't have that as much out in the West because they're not here for as long. Right? Jazz came in what, 79, 80, somewhere right there? Right? That's, not, that's like yesterday compared to the Red Sox and, and the Celtics and whatnot. So people back there, you just automatically have history in your DNA because you grew up with it. You've been a lifelong fan, and so has fill-in-the-blank relatives that take you back to when Bill Russell was playing, literally. People are still, plenty of people still alive that remember Bill Russell playing. And all those great Celtic teams. So Doc Rivers isn't going to get mentioned 
in the Pantheon. And I'm not really sure what Pantheon means, but it sounds like a really cool word, right? And then you've got, if I list best Charger quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers is going to be mentioned. Phillip Rivers, Dan Fouts. There they are. Those are the two. Yeah, I mean, you just gloss over Stan Humphreys like he's nothing. Took him to the Super Bowl, but he doesn't. his career doesn't measure up to the other two. Irregardless, it's not about career. It's about the Chargers. He took him to the Super Bowl. <laughs> he did. He said, boys, get on my back. We're yeah. going. <laughs> we'll lose by 50, but irregardless. Pantheon, noun, a group of particularly respected, famous, or important people. Doesn't that sound fancy? It does. Uh, the second definition, even fancier, all the gods of a people or religion collectively. But don't sleep on Mickey Rivers. I just looked it up. He had a career B.A. of 295. Uh, how much did he win? Was he there in the winning years, or did he get kind of in the sandwich years where they weren't In good? the winning years. <laughs> uh, when, what do you mean? Well, the, I mean, you're, you're, you're just going Yankees, I assume, but he yeah. played for multiple teams beyond the Yankees. That is where I remember him. He was an angel, I guess, now that I think about it. But Oh, I'm no angel. Uh, let's see. He was the Oh, Yankees. yeah, he was there. He, he was only there for three years, and then he came back for a year. Yeah, Bob but he was, was there making, for the, he was there for the right years. He was, but if I'm going to go with eccentric leadoff guys, I'm going Ricky Henderson. That a kid. <laughs> Right? The guys with tenure, get on the bus, get your seats uh, first. Tenure, I got 11 year. <laughs> Ricky. Recognizes the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Opportunity to Hit. see him in the line, the uh, waiting he, line he at was, the airport, and he looked like a million bucks. Man. Yeah. He, he came at the right time because he was, when contact still mattered, he was very good at making contact and getting on base. But power was mattering more. The game was trending, and he could hit for power, too. Those legs? Yeah, and he could run the bases. Yeah. When I saw him, which was probably six, seven years ago, 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, when everybody looked like crap and he looked like a million bucks, <laughs> and he looked like he could go out there and play today. And people started getting this is like a switchback thing in security to go through the TSA, mm-hmm. and it started to circulate. Hey, that's Mickey Rivers. I'm not Mickey Rivers. That's Ricky Henderson. And oh, he couldn't have been more accommodating. And all sorts of people were saying, "Hey, and he's just just loving it. And he was very comfortable in his own skin. And what a player! Wow, was he something? All right, there you go. Big news of the morning, Phillip Rivers. So there's another team that needs a quarterback, the Colts. He came in for one year, uh, gave him a good year, got him to the playoffs, but now they need somebody, and now we all uh, all eyes turn to Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger, what are you doing? Were you just sad about a playoff loss, or when you're sitting on the bench after that game, were you looking out across a career that was about to end? Got to give people a little time to decide what they want to do, so he's got a little bit of time, but how about this? Plan. The Colts? BYU football and the lowest level of professional baseball. Which of the three you taking? And what's the common denominator? The Colts. The Colts. BYU football. BYU football and the lowest level of professional baseball. Uh, I guess I would take the Colts. They're all but... indies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Random right? groups. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun to come up put with that, those put things. Put that up on Facebook. Put some random groups. Come up with a couple more. Put them on Facebook and see our, our listeners will have fun with that. That'll be a blast for tomorrow morning. Well, we, uh, yeah, okay, we won't have gotta, a jazz game to break down tomorrow morning. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's perfect. You know, we, we will Friday. Yeah. No, I think we should do that more often. Come up with three things, and you got to tie them together. I, I like it. Put it out there. Let's go. I'll work on that. I'm not good at that off the top of my head, but I'll have some for you tomorrow morning. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> Scott, Jake, and Jason. <laughs> DJ and PK producers. Yeah, but I mean, it's got to be somewhat. They're ex-producers who've gone on to careers in the media. Jake, you'll be the second Jake. You watch what happens to you. Jake 2.0. Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Sorry, Scott just walked by and I saw him. Sorry. Okay, so who you I taking? That was a good pull on your part, let's be honest. Who well, Scotty's a vice president. Are you kidding me? Got to butter him up. Yeah. He's friggin' Kamala Harris? <laughs> that he is. Wow, man. I knew he had some liberal in him, but that's taking it to another <laughs> level. <laughs> unity, boys. Unity. It starts today. He's not the vice president of the United States of America. Vice president of the Jazz. He's vice president of the Jazz? He's one of them. Holy freak, they man. I better start having to pay me more expense, yeah. more respect. I'm vice president I think of he would, nothing. I think you finally said something he agrees with. He would like more respect from you. <laughs> oh, you know, we didn't mention, and there's 150 million reasons to mention this, George Springer leaves the Astros for the Blue Jays. That's a, that's a 31-year-old star still in his prime. May not be worth it to the end, but you got to figure the Jays are getting some good years out of him on that six-year $150 million deal. I would agree with that, yes. Uh, we'll see what happens at the end. Yeah. Uh, so I will throw at you. Oh, here we go. Dennis, Jerry, or George? <laughs> Not Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty funny thing to say for a guy who is mayor of a metropolitan city. He's mayor of Cincinnati, and he's had a TV show forever, but is too much of a circus. I'd probably go George. Now, you may wonder who Dennis Springer is. Am I, I correct? I do, but I was dodging that one. <laughs> Who's Dennis? He was a member of the Dodgers, and he was a pitcher, and he gave up Barry Bonds's 73rd home run. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> a 43-mile-per-hour knuckleball. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Do you want a legacy or do you want a fortune? That's what you have to ask a quarterback. Because there's been a lot of dudes that get a fortune that could have used one more year and they fizzled out in the league. And Zach Wilson's going to be another one. PK, DJ, thank you for getting up at a ridiculous hours and entertaining us with ridiculous facts. But I get excited every time the Jazz go on a win streak. My fantasies and hopes go all out of control, and I love it. Yesterday, players kept their word and came to stay. Now they all just get to go away like Loner did. So Larry Pace, let's go, Utes. You'll be okay. <laughs> K every day. 
Oh, that rhymes. I like it. Yep. All right. I'm already coming up with trios for tomorrow, PK. I'm ready to go. Put really? that up. Uh-oh. Wow. What wow. have I done, Yawk? You have, un- <laughs> you have uncaged the beast. Here we go. You're a baseball guy. Here's one for you just okay, to get you going. Real quick, on the K front, actually, he's actually been sending these in very early in the morning. Should we be playing them earlier in the show, do you think? Do you oh, yeah. Think we need to play them twice. The early listeners need to hear these. Okay. We can play them earlier. Uh, Jackie, Frank, and Brooks. Uh, Baltimore Orioles. I don't think Jackie played for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Robinson. He could. Yeah. <laughs> Cano. Uh, Cano, uh, Bonds, and Clemens. Family Car- How about Family no Caruso? I, I was going to put Family Caruso in there for Robinsons. <laughs> but they can't be obvious. you gotta, you got to have a little bit of intrigue. I mean, obviously, those were all Robinsons. That was an easy one. Brooks, Frank. See, and the thing that bugs me, and this is my own little personal pet peeve, is Jackie Robinson never gets his due or enough due as a phenomenal athlete slash ball player. Now, that's to take away nothing from the social because that was incredible. But you always hear about, you know, he broke the color line. This guy was an amazing, amazing athlete. I he mean, was, I think you had a, of his century, he's got to be top five all time. He was he was Dion before Dion. Dion was playing two sports, and granted, he got to play in the Super Bowl and a World Series, and that is awesome. But go back and read all the sports that Jackie Robinson excelled at. Yeah. That was literally the only thing that limited him was time. That wasn't time to play more sports. But when you're good at football and you're good at baseball and you're a track star, I'm thinking you would have conquered a fourth and fifth sport if there were just time. Oh, man, he could have. He would have shot under par at Brookside. (laughs) Pasadena, baby. Herman, (laughs) football, Reese. (laughs) Who are Peewees? Yes! (laughs) <laughs> that's see that's good turn it into a jeopardy and then yeah. you have so it's a combo then you you got a yeah. jeopardy thing then what you is peewee ding <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll work on that for tomorrow i'll come up with some more but that was Pee-wee fun during was the DJ's break dj's nickname in high school hey <laughs> wow this just got real real quick i did have one and i'm not telling you what it was no, go ahead. We, we oh, want, yeah, we right. want to hear it. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, theoretically, we're doing feedback from people in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> theoretically. What do you got? Uh, we got, uh, uh, what would derail the uh, six-game uh, win streak for the Jazz? And they're, they're just on a tear. Uh, cold shooting night by one of our top three can end it real Quick. Great run, though. See, I think it's got to be more than top, not one of the top three. That's the beauty of the team. One of the top three can be off, and they can still do it. Well, it depends. Is it a frozen night rather than cold? I mean, is it a one for 11? Because the top three are going to get their shots, mm-hmm. and the other guys may not get as many FGAs. Chibionitis says, don't do turnovers. He thinks the turnovers are what are going to unravel them. Yeah, I when, agree. When you're defending that well and you're shooting the three that well, it really is the turnovers because you can't you can't defend when you're turning the ball over the top of the key. They, they're right. they're going to get you. Yeah. Uh, Doug says by adding the 71-72 Lakers to the schedule. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Little than now, gear up for the Pelicans seven in a row. And we'll worry about the rest of it after that. 
Pelicans tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, TNT, and uh, FS1 will have the Aggies and the Rams at the same time. I was hoping they'd be offset with the TNT game, but it turns out they're both at 8 o'clock, so that's less than ideal, but whatever. We'll deal with it tomorrow. Have a good day, and we will see you tomorrow. Scotty's coming up next.